0: Today we're, we're kind of doing the service a little different. We started with two songs. Uh, that's what we just did in case you were wondering what we just did. And, uh, then I'm going to, we're going to share, but then we're going to go back into a time of worship and what is worship? It's where we sing. And even as we just kind of sang that old classic hymn, I love you, Lord, but where we just sing with our own voices a love song to God. And where we also open ourselves up and say, Lord, come in shape me, come and change me. You know, in the Jesus used a lot of times pruning, he used, uh, uh, cutting trees and pruning trees. How many of you have already done a little spring yard work and uh, you start cutting things? Actually, I don't think that's good. I'm not a plant person, but Sue it's not good to cut things right now. Is it? This is a bad time. I think you normally want to wait towards the fall, like where things are dead right now. It's, it's not the best time, but regardless spiritually, it's always a good time. Can I get an amen? Yes. Spiritually. It's always a good time for God to come and prune us. What does that mean when he's pruning us? It means that he is changing some things about you and I, the way we think, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we process, the way we react and he's shifting some things so that we can look more like him and that we act more like him and that we treat each other in the way that he would want us to. Uh, And so that's what, that's the adventure we're going to be on. We'll be taking communion um, in that. And then we'll also uh, be having a time of prayer and praying for one another. All right. Um, We are going to be opening our Bibles. So if you need a Bible, will you raise your hand and the ushers have some Bibles that they'll pass out and if you decide that you need this Bible beyond today, go ahead and steal it. Um, I don't know if it's actually still stealing, if you got given permission, but go ahead and take it home. Uh, does anybody need a Bible? Just raise your hand, leave it up, and they'll, and they'll get it to you. If you are doing a digital Bible and you wanna know what translation to, to uh, read from, I'm gonna be reading from the New Living, um, and that is the Bible that they're passing out. Now, can I get, my two volunteers, to come on up here. And um, we're gonna start by reading some scripture if you wanna turn to Acts chapter two, verses one through 13. Acts is, uh, let's say, a little over three quarters of the way through if you're flipping through the pages. Here's my Bible and you can see how far Acts is through. If you get to some names like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just keep going a tad bit and you're going to come to Acts. If you skip over and you go into Roman history, you went a tad bit too far. So then flip your pages back that way. But Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 13 is going to be our starting point. You guys ready for this? Now, I just want to say ahead of time, she's going to be reading verses 1 through 6. And then she is gonna be reading verses seven through 13. In verses seven through 13, there's some pretty weird names, okay? So you just sound them out and we're just gonna flow with it because I don't know if there's anybody in here that could pronounce those names just perfectly, all right? All right, here we go.
1: On the day of the Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were all sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At this time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed, these people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia. Uh, Phrygia, <laughs> um, Pamphylia. Oh, that was an argument. Egypt and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages and about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd—I rid- don't know what they ridiculed Ridicule them, saying they're just drunk. That's all.
0: Come on, can we give them a hand? Thank you, ladies. All right. Well, today is actually the um, the Sunday that we celebrate the Day of Pentecost, and that's what we just read there. Um, You know, we've spent some time looking at Jesus talking with the disciples, and he's instructing them and giving them guidance into what the future holds. He walked with them for many years and tried to teach them uh, where they weren't just um, being taught, but they were also catching. They were being, they were caught in in a sense. his actions in his ways. And all the time they keep focusing on, you know, Jesus, are you the one who's going to free us from our Roman oppressors? And he keeps saying, it's not about that. It's about what I want to do in your life. It's, I want to free you from the oppressor that's within you. I want to free you from yourself and I want to release you to go out and do what I do. I want to give you the power that's in me. I want to put in you so that you walk in this same authority. You walk in the same power. You walk in the same grace. Then at the end, he is crucified. And then he, he comes back from death. And he reveals himself to them again, starts talking to them. And, but he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to go in this time for real. Like I'm going to be gone. Okay, I, I died. That wasn't going to be the way I was going to go. That was just all part of the process. But now I'm about to go to be with my father. But don't be scared. Don't worry. Because, and he's been telling them all along, he's going to send the helper, the comforter, the counselor to come and be with them. But he, then he tells them to wait. And he tells them to wait in Jerusalem for this outpouring for the anointing for the power. And and that's what we just read was that there they were, they had been waiting and God comes and pours out his spirit on them. Now, when he does, when God moves, here's the deal. How many of you guys have been in an incident incident where God moved and It seemed a little weird. How many of you have either witnessed or heard of Christians saying that God was moving and you thought they were weird. <laughs> come on. How many of you have you have ever been in a conversation with maybe someone that you think it would be great for them to come to church, but they're scared that we're all weird. <laughs> okay. Good company. Okay. All those are true. But what we don't want to do is ever shy away from what God would want to do in and through us because we're scared of looking weird. On the other hand, we don't want to act weird as if that shows that God is working in us. So what we want to do is be open. Lord, come and do whatever you want to do. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And if that means, I do something weird, then bring on the weird on the other hand. God, when you come, don't let me just start acting weird. If that's not what you're doing, because now I'm no longer glorifying your name. Now I'm glorifying my own name and I'm trying to create something in my own strength and now instead of it being something that draws people into the presence of God, I'm doing something that's keeping people and pushing people out. Now you and I have a problem. A choice is we're in this dichotomy of these two realities, and depending on our personality, we we can jump in on one side or the other. Because we don't want to be. Um, well, some of us don't care if we're. How many people here? You could care less if anyone thought you were weird. <laughs> I'm not totally in that category. My hands up just to help you raise your hand, but <laughs> I may be like this. Okay. There's part of me where I don't care, but there's this whole other part of me that really does care, and uh, it's not always easy. But our heart and our hope and our prayer is that we get to a place where it truly is, Lord, come. And if that means people are going to look at us and say they must be drunk, meaning they they must be so out of their mind they must be, Um, unable to make decisions on their own. That would be the only reason they would be acting this way. Lord, if that's what it is, you coming is more important than the way people see me. And that's what we're after. So I'm gonna pray father today, as we dive into scripture and as we just continue to open ourselves up of what does it look like for your kingdom to come? not just in theory, but in actuality, where the kingdom of heaven invades us as individuals, but it also invades us as a church family to where as we go out during the week there, where it doesn't just invade us in a moment for a short period of time for a couple hour blocks um, on Sundays or in different meetings, But God, where it invades us, where it changes us, to where when we go, we reflect your kingdom. Where we don't see ourselves just as citizens of heaven, but we also see ourselves as ambassadors for heaven. And that when we speak, we speak on behalf, not as a power trip, but that our words are your words. Our attitude is your attitude. God, it's you working through us. Lord, we want your will to be done. So right now, God, I just want to let go of my will. I want to let go of my plans. Lord, this service is yours. God, come and have your way. God, I ask that you would move within us, that you would shape us and change us to look more like you. In Jesus name, amen. All right, we're gonna look at um, Three different things that I think play into being filled. Holy Spirit filled. We're going to be looking at trust. It takes an act of trust. There is a part of waiting for God where we don't run ahead of God, and then there's unity. We need to be at a place of unity. So we've been on the series on Holy Spirit. And really looking at now, many times when we talk, when you hear it talked about Holy Spirit one, there can be a little bit of a weird thing because talking about God, the father makes sense, you know, father, okay, he's in charge. He's like the CEO of the company. He started it. He's, he's there. We have Jesus, the son. Okay. That's kind of like our friend. That part makes sense. Um, but sometimes when we get into Holy Spirit, it gets a little spooky. And it doesn't feel as personal because it's like, you know, is he, what is he? I mean, is he moving through like a cloud or what, you know, what's exactly happening? And it, it doesn't feel as tangible. So sometimes we don't embrace it with the same sincerity that we embrace God the Father. Or sometimes we don't embrace the Holy Spirit with the same sincerity and understanding that we embrace Jesus the Son. And so there's an element of the Trinity that we have kind of pushed off a little bit to the side. Maybe we don't have the Trinity on our mantle, on top of our fireplace in our house. We have God the Father and we got God the Son, but in our private prayer room, we let the Holy Spirit stay there. Maybe we're, we're willing to talk about God the Father and, and, and Jesus the Son, but we're a little nervous to talk about the Holy Spirit because it gets a little weird. One of the things we're trying to do is to normalize the Holy Spirit and to also say that we don't just ask the Holy Spirit to come for power, but Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to be our helper. Who here went through something this week or last week recently? Let's just do that just to kind of help us all be included where you could have used a helper. Okay. on this one, both my hands are fully extended. <laughs> what about a comforter? Maybe you had to make a decision and you needed a counselor, someone to give you guidance. You know, that is what Holy Spirit's here to do. And Holy Spirit is here to give us power. But it's not power so that we just walk around super tough. Do I look tougher? I worked out for this message and um, hopefully you can see the results. No, it's power to represent God. It's power to walk in into, to have the authority of Jesus in our life. Okay. If you will turn now to Luke chapter 24. So now you're going backwards through John to the last chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 24. We're going to look at verse 44 through 49. Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 49. Says, then he said, this being Jesus, when I was with you before. So this is after his crucifixion and after the resurrection. And here he is with the disciples. So he says, when I was with you before, so that's before the crucifixion, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled because remember, they were wanting him to stick around. They were, they didn't like the idea that he was going to die. They didn't like the, that, that seemed like weakness and it wasn't fulfilling what they wanted, but he's telling them, no, this has to be fulfilled. This is the way that what was prophesied and what was said needs to take place. Then he opened their minds to understand the scripture and he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Here's a powerful part. So he's saying all those things are true. But what he's also saying is in spite of him going, in spite of him dying, that the gospel was still going to go to all the world. So that could leave a little bit of a wonder. How's that going to take place? How's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, going to go to all the world if Jesus is packing up and leaving? Oh, Good question. Thank you for asking verse 48. You say me, we are witnesses of all these things and Now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised instruction, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So you and I, are the ones that are going to bring the gospel to all the world. For years, Christians have been commissioned. You and I are his disciples. When he gave the great commission at the end, and he said to go into all the world, he was talking to you and I, not just to a select few, not just to a couple special forces. He wants you and I to go sometimes we could say me but like what about this problem or what about I struggle with this yeah he sees that and that's why he sends us to helper. that's why he sends us the comforter that's why he sends us the counselor and that's why he wants us to wait for the power so this is trust do we trust Jesus is who he says he is not just the idea we got a over on that that wall there not just the idea that I mean, it takes trust to believe that he is the son of God. He came to earth. He was, he died after three days of being in the grave. He rose again. He overcame death and now he's seated in the seat next to the father in heaven. That's a crazy story. So here's the deal. You're already weird. Okay, so you have the fear of being weird. You're already weird, but you know what? Every option out there is weird. And every option out there takes faith and we're putting our faith in Jesus Christ, but it takes trust to believe that he is who he says he is also though. Do we believe he's going to do what he said he's going to do? And if he says this is what he wants to do through you and I do we believe it or do we come up with a reason why he can do that through Laura here but why he can't do it through Edgar or why he can do it through Edgar, but he can't do it through me. Or do I believe he is who he says he is and that he can work through every single one of us in regardless of our background, regardless of our personality, regardless of our learning abilities or disabilities, regardless of any of those things, he can work through us. Do we trust that he actually wants to fill us? And in that trust, are we willing to allow Holy Spirit to come fill all of us? Now, this last Sunday, Tamar spoke, and and she started kind of down this road of what is Holy Spirit here to do? And that Holy Spirit reading out of um, John chapter 16, that Holy Spirit is here to also bring conviction. How many of you like it when somebody, another person, or you feel God kind of points out an area in your life and says, yeah, this needs to change. You ever gone through that? Well, you know, so the, um, but that is exactly what Holy Spirit wants to do, wants to come. It's not about condemning us. It's not about beating us up, but it's about shining a light on an area and saying, Hey, I want, I want you to trust me more in this area, Jerry, or Jerry. I want your marriage in the way you treat Patricia to represent my love for you. He comes and he, he does that because he wants us to represent his glory. So, even in Tamar's preparing, and there was a little bit of a, I got some questions last Sunday. Some people were looking at me. How many of you were here last Sunday? Okay. How many of you? Never mind, I'm not going to ask that question. <laughs> so, she's preparing her notes. I read through her notes and she's like, There's a problem. I don't have a story, I don't have a story to share. We believe in when we speak, we want to talk, not talk to you. We want to talk with you in that we're living these words and, and we're sharing out of our own brokenness or we're sharing out of our, of our own, um, what God is doing in our life and being vulnerable in that way. And I read her notes. I'm like, "I, I don't know what to tell you. I can't think of a story to tell you. And I said, I go, but I know a really good one you could use. I go, just tell what God's doing in my life. And uh, so number one, I want everybody who was here last Sunday to know it was my idea that she shared about what God was doing in my life. That wasn't her throwing me under the bus. But here's why it's important, why I thought that story was important. Because Holy Spirit wants to refine you and I. And none of us get a pass on that. And if we choose to not let Holy Spirit come refine us, What happens is we skip out on the goodness of God. We skip out on the promises of God. So there are things in my life that God is trying to change. Perspectives. He's trying to change now. Many times we don't even hear those things because we don't open ourselves up to hear and to listen and um and so that was a lot of kind of what was being shared was that uh if you weren't here you can listen to it but i'll just give you the the quick um um, cliff notes is that what they call the the abbreviated is basically i felt like god was shifting something in me and changing something in me and um we had uh around the time of my birthday i turned 45 the end of april i look amazing i get it But, uh, I asked some people, what is it in my life that you want to call out? Don't, don't, don't tell me what you love about me. Cause I know there's a ton of stuff there, but I want to know what is it that you believe maybe I'm a little insecure or I'm timid in, or I just don't believe in that you want to call out of me and you want to speak into and say, bring this out. Every person I asked, It basically went down to, I need to step in to what God's calling me to be as a spiritual father to this church, to them in their personal lives and to their children. Extremely awkward for me because I believe in team dynamics and I more want to just like, let's play on the Let's link arms and we'll be on the team together and fine. I'll play quarterback and I can call a play, but, but I want to be on the field. And I want to see us all as we're together. But there's something where God is trying to cause me to shift my focus. It's not about power. It's actually about laying my life down in a different way. But it's a way that makes me feel uncomfortable. How many of us, though, what we where we stop in allowing God to work through us is where we start to feel uncomfortable and we draw a line. Oh, it's not just a line. We build a fence. And then God starts pushing. So we tear down the fence and we build a wall and we put it up because I don't want to go there because it's uncomfortable. Well, I tell you, if, if I'm really going to believe that I want his kingdom to come and his will to be done, I got to take a jackhammer to those walls and I cannot let uncomfortability keep me from there. So then we had the, the, the prophetic team that came in for prophetic commissioning and through different meals with them, they, uh, you know, sometimes you have to ask, I don't know, at least with me, if I want someone to be honest with me, usually I have to ask them like three times. And, you know, the first time I, it's like, yeah, I don't really think that's your real opinion. And the second one's like, okay, I think we're getting a little warmer. And by the third one's like, oh, boom, there it is. Now I know how you feel about me. But to push in, they began to speak into to challenge me in a good way, in love, and they challenged me in the same way. I then sat down with our coordinator team and um, asked them in a meeting, how can I be a better leader? And that's something we try to do on a pseudo-frequent basis because we want to continue to grow. And I got similar answers. What's that say? Well, I'd have to be an idiot not to realize that God is trying to say something to me. And he's trying to shift something in my mind. And I believe God is trying to say something to each one of us. And I believe he's trying to shift something in each ones of our minds (laughs) areas where we have built these walls around us because we're uncomfortable. And what we want is we say, God, I want you to come fill my bath. My, my pool that I've built, I've built up all these concrete blocks. I've waterproofed it. I want you to come fill this container because I want to, I want to feel your presence. So would you come fill this? so that I can bask in it, so I can soak in it, so I can be safe in it. And he wants to kick down the walls, he wants to break them down, because it's not about just me feeling it, he wants his, if he's gonna fill it, it's so that it can flow out. It's so that it can affect others. It's so it can be shared. It's so that it can spread across the earth. But to do that, those walls have to come down. And you and I have to be willing to get uncomfortable you and i have to be willing to walk in our insecurities you and i have to be willing to trust god that if he says something about us that even if we can't see how it comes to pass that he will do it in us because he's a god of love will you turn back to acts chapter one Acts chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. So you were in Luke, you go to the right, you go through John, and here we are at Acts. It says in my first book, now this is Luke, same person who wrote the gospel of Luke that we just read out of, is the, the same guy that wrote this book of Acts. He's saying, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. So that's what the Gospel of Luke, it's it's going through what Jesus did as he was walking on the earth. During the 40 days after he suffered, after he was rose again, and died he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about what the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven because that's what it was all about he didn't just say hey buddies so good to just be back together one last hurrah you know we're, we're getting the band back together we're putting on one last world tour no he got them together because he wanted to charge them once again on the kingdom of God. Verse 4, once he was eating with them, he commanded them. That, that's strong language, okay? So that's like where my, my kids say, um, they call them dad eyes? It's not dagger eyes, but it's something serious. Mean eyes? Okay, well, Jesus didn't have mean eyes or death eyes, okay? but he was serious. I think his, he had a little bit of crinkles between in his forehead. He was serious and he, 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 he wanted to make sure they understood this was a, this is serious. You need to do this. So he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before. John baptized with water but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit so when the Apostles were with Jesus they kept asking him Lord has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom people they're still asking the same questions here's the nice thing we can look at this and say you guys are crazy didn't you hear he just said it's about the kingdom of heaven Well, here's where it brings us a little peace of mind. How many of you, we're not going to raise our hands on this one. I've done. I think I already reached my quota about a half an hour ago (laughs) is um, that how many times you and I continue to ask God for the same thing, even though he already tried to redirect us. He tried to get us to focus on his purposes. And we do that for a couple weeks and then we come back here and we start asking for this again. And then he slowly takes us through things and we kind of get back in line. We take, we go with this for a couple weeks and then bam, we slide back over here. It's the same with the disciples. So again, they're going back to Lord, when are you coming to overthrow the Romans? When are you going to make, when are you going to become the king of the earth? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know, but you will. So even though he's once again, kind of crushing their dream, crushing their hopes, I don't know about you, but I've had several times where I felt like God crushed my dreams or even crushed my hopes, but it wasn't because he wasn't good. It's because he wanted me to see something else. So he had to shut something down. He had to take something from me. He had to say, nope, I'm going to close that door on you, Pete. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth they had to wait so we have to trust him that he is who he is and he's going to do what he says he's going to do but we have to wait if you're like me waiting isn't easy because waiting is actually referring to going beyond what you would naturally do there are times where I want to be left alone and I don't want to have to do anything I don't believe that's what Jesus is talking about when he says wait He's not just saying, Hey, I just want you to have a down date. You guys have been working so hard. We've been going at this evangelism thing a lot. There's been a lot of lessons. I know you feel like you've been cramming and just trying to get through the test so you could be certified disciples. But, um, you know, I just want you to take, just take some time off, just relax, have a little you time. And just sit back and then one of those days as you're just hanging out, I'm just going to come knocking on the door and I'm just going to give you your, your passing grade and, and just kind of bless you with a little bit of extra spirit. You no, know, they were anxious for something. They're still anxious about seeing the Roman government overthrown. They're anxious then, okay, if it's not that, then let us go to battle. And okay, fine, if if we can't do it in our own strength, well, then hurry up and fill us so we can go change the way the world works and the way people talk. But he says, wait. When he asks you and I to wait, it goes beyond our comfort zone. Again, it goes beyond, if we were scheduling the waiting period, it would be a lot longer than that. But he says to wait. Wait. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to wait? Or are we going to rush it? I have a feeling. If God, Jesus came and told us to wait, that after a little while and I would be part of this group, I would start thinking, well, maybe, maybe that actually was the filling. I mean, that, that was when, when Mike Barth got up and prayed, I mean, that was pretty powerful. Maybe that was the Holy Spirit filling us. So I think we can go now. Okay, no, we'll stay. Well, maybe when Vicki Robinson sang that special song, that must have been, because I want to get out, and I, I think, I mean, I don't want to miss. If God's moving, and now it's time for me to go out, I better run out. I, I think it was when Vicky did that. Oh, okay, not that long. Maybe when Carol prayed for Aiden, that was it. It was showing us something, and now it's okay. There's always an anxiety in us to go but waiting is waiting because it's really there's a surrender in waiting that takes place there's a teaching that happens in waiting there's a a new patient that that patience that happens in waiting really what happens in waiting is we have to press pause on what we want to see happen and we have to trust God in His way. Yes. And that only takes place in waiting. Because otherwise, we're running off of our own power and our own strength. There was a purpose, though, for His anointing, for the power that came. And praise team, you guys can come back up. In verse eight, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, I've been in a lot of meetings growing up in charismatic churches where we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. But what's sad is in a lot of those meetings, it was for the room to experience something. We might as well have been praying to go to Disneyland. We might as well have been praying, God, can you just show up and tell me that I'm amazing? God, could you show up and put a a warm coat on me? I'm a little cold. It was about satisfying something inside of me, validating me. But he's saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. There was an action that was to take place. The power wasn't just to fill you and I so we felt better about ourselves, or we felt validated, or we felt like we, we finally achieved. He wanted to blow a power and fill us so that we would be his witnesses. What's that mean? You telling the story as if you had just seen a crime or seen something take place, you telling your point of view of who is Jesus in you. What has Jesus Christ done for you? That's being his witness and that we would go into our neighborhoods, We would go into our city. We would go into our state. We would go into all the world telling everyone, everywhere that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what he wants to empower us with not so i can have a picture of jason waving a towel over me or i can have a picture picture of laura pouring oral oil over my head or i can have a picture of 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 somebody like these things and there can be power in certain things but it's not about those things on my wall it's about did i let god come change my life did i kick down those walls and those barriers where i say god i want to be uncomfortable For you. And God, if it looks weird, then let me be weird. I don't wanna be weird just so I can say I'm weird as if that's a way to prove that I'm a Christian. But God, I wanna do whatever it is you're asking me to do. I wanna love those that no one else loves. I wanna bring peace where all there is is fighting. I wanna bring unity where there's so much division. I wanna invite in those that just keep getting rejected. I wanna speak life into those who've had death spoken over them over and over. God, I still wanna believe, even though it's crazy and sometimes I don't see it, I still wanna believe that someone with cancer, that that we can pray and that the tumors can dry up and die. I wanna believe that blind eyes can still be opened and people could see, that a deaf ear could be opened and someone could hear for the very first time. Oh, I want to believe that someone who's been on heroin for years and their whole body, their whole body chemistry is so messed up that they could come in to a church service and taste and see that God is good. Not come in and hear a message, not come in and be like, oh, this is where the presence is, but that they could come in and taste and see that God is good. And in that goodness, that's something, the chemistry of their brain, the chemistry of their body could be changed and the addiction could be broken off. I don't know how many times I'm gonna see it. I don't know when I'm gonna see it, but I will tell you I wanna be uncomfortable to believe that we can still see it. I wanna be uncomfortable to believe that what's written in this book is still possible. If that makes me weird, then I wanna be weird. But I also want to be uncomfortable enough where it's not about us, it's about Him. If you flip over one page to chapter two, it says, on that day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together. That's unity. We need to be in a spirit of unity. I was telling the serve team in the huddle today, you don't wait together unless you're in unity. I don't know if you've ever put a group of people in a room and said, we're just going to wait together, but try that experiment. And I guarantee you that after a little bit, somebody's going to get uncomfortable and disunity will break out. It is human nature. It's in us and it's in animals. It's, it's across the board. There's something there. They were in unity. You and I, we need to be in unity. Not so we create a, uh, uh, try to create this perfect was it euphoria atmosphere you like thing, but we're in unity because we don't want to offend God. We're in unity because He asked us and told us to be in unity. They were together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house. If you look up the word filled, it means full, just to help you out. Where they were sitting, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present, everyone present, every one present was filled, full with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. We're gonna um, go into, uh, will you guys stand if you're able? We're gonna go back into some singing. Um, as we begin to sing this first song, the ushers are gonna place the communion elements down on the tables, and then they're gonna walk, and uh, they'll they'll release you row by row is how we're gonna do it today. and. You'll come up one at a time or you know, in your row and you'll grab a little cup of juice and you'll grab a little cracker. The juice represents the blood of Jesus that was shed. The cracker represents his broken body. You're gonna go back to your seat and hold on to the elements. Today, we're actually gonna take it together. So this isn't um, everyone taking it just on your own. Today, we're gonna take it together. Then we're gonna continue singing. At this first part, What I want to ask is that we start not by seeking God's power, but we start by humbling ourselves. We start by saying, Lord, what is it that you want to reveal to me? Lord, where is it where I've put up some comfortable walls? Where is it that I'm scared of being weird? Lord, where is it where I have unforgiveness in my heart? Where is it, God, where I still make it about building my kingdom instead of your kingdom? So before we ask for God to do something in us, let's first open ourselves up and say, Lord, I want you to come and I want you to examine every nook and cranny of my life. I want you to get down with a flashlight under the, under the couch. I want you to pull up the couch cushions and look between them. I want you to go deep into the garage. I want you to go deep into the closet. Lord, search, show me, is there anything, not just big things, but small things, that you wanna highlight in my life, that you wanna say, hey, I love you. But this, this right here, it needs to go. For us to move forward, not in whether or not I I love you as my daughter or my son, not in whether or not my sacrifice paid the penalty for you, But for us to move forward and you stepping out and receiving a new grace on your life, a new authority to walk in, this right here. Here's the deal though. This cracker in this blood is what gives us that ability. So if what he highlights to you seems daunting, seems too big, when you hold those two things, you remember that the cost was already paid. The sacrifice has already been made. And that's what you're taking in remembrance of is that there is nothing, absolutely nothing that he could highlight in your life that the communion elements that represent his sacrifice doesn't already cover. It's already there. Your mind's role is just to let go and say, God, it's yours. Then we're gonna just see what God wants to do is going to trust that he is a good God.